You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Acts chapter 1, we saw um, two weeks ago, of course, last week Brother Fry preached and we did not cover uh, the book of Acts, but Acts 1 verse 8, we saw uh, that Jesus told his disciples as they were gathered there, as he was about ready to ascend back into heaven, he said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You talk about a pep rally. You talk about exciting times. Jesus is giving them the promise of the Holy Spirit and the power that they're going to receive and all that's going to be accomplished. And then verse number nine, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him. Notice those next four words, out of their sight. I think the pep rally came to an abrupt halt. They were so excited hearing what Jesus said that they're going to receive power and the Holy Spirit's coming and then Jesus leaves. Now, I do want to say this. I'm glad we will never have to experience what those disciples experienced. They experienced Jesus leaving and the Holy Spirit not coming yet. They were in that very, very small window of a gap between uh, Jesus ascending and the Holy Spirit coming. And I'm glad that we don't have to live that way. I'm glad that although Jesus is not here, I'm glad we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have the Comforter who will abide with us always. But for these disciples, that must have been an emotional roller coaster. They had seen Jesus on the cross. Then they had seen the empty tomb. They had talked with him. They had fellowshiped with him. Uh, then he gives them that final uh, word of encouragement that they would receive power. And then Jesus goes up into heaven and they are standing there staring. Probably thinking, what do we do now? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Have you ever been in a time where it's pretty scary, where you don't know what to do, and it seems like Jesus is out of your sight? And you've got the promise from Jesus, but it just seems like it's a scary place to be because you cannot see Jesus. What do you do when you cannot trace God? Well, the answer to that is you trust Him. What do you do when you can't see God? Well, you just keep claiming the promises that he has given and you know that he never breaks a promise he always keeps his word he always keeps his promise many times today although we have the holy spirit's power available many times it seems as though we're content to live without it i think of that verse in judges 16 where it says about samson that he wist not he didn't even know that the holy spirit was departed from him Friend, I want to tell you, if that's your condition tonight, you may be in this auditorium or watching online or listening on the radio, and you've been saved by the grace of God, but you do not have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want to tell you, that's a bad place to be, because God never intended for any of us to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. 
But yet here these disciples, Jesus has gone. The Holy Spirit has not yet come. And so they're standing there staring up into heaven. Verse number 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. I'm glad that these angels showed up and gave one more reminder. They gave one more word of encouragement. They gave one more pointer on what these disciples should be doing. They said to the disciples, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then return then to Jerusalem. That's where they were supposed to go. That's where they were supposed to wait for the promise. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James, 11 of them, of course, missing Judas Iscariot, who had betrayed the Lord. And it says in verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Father, please speak to us these few moments. Give us what we need from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to see in this passage, number one, I see there is a problem. The problem is that Jesus has just given them the message. He's given them the promise. He's given them the power. He has told them exactly what's going to happen. And he said in verse number, I think it was verse number five, that they were to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come. But here they are standing outside of Jerusalem on a hillside just looking at the sky. And by the way, I think if we had been there, we probably would have been doing the same thing. I think we would have been in a little bit of shock thinking, uh-oh. And we kind of felt better when Jesus was walking with us. We kind of felt a lot safer when we could touch him and when we could uh, see him and when we could be with him. And now he's gone and we don't have the Holy Spirit's power yet. And so they're staring up into heaven. That's a problem. The problem is that they were standing, they were staring, uh, they were staying in a place where they were not supposed to stay, they were supposed to go to Jerusalem. But I like what the angel said in verse number 11, why stand ye gazing up into heaven, this same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, he shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. I love it that the promise was given. It was reiterated that Jesus, this same Jesus, and by the way, he is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Everything he said on earth, everything he preached to those disciples, you can mark it down. He's not changing his mind. He's not up in heaven having second thoughts. He hasn't canceled the rapture. He hasn't canceled the return. He hasn't stopped building the mansions. He is doing exactly what he said he would do. This same Jesus, the angel said, he's coming back. And friend, I want to tell you tonight, that's a reason why we shouldn't be standing and staring and staying where we shouldn't be because Jesus is coming. What a reminder, what an encouragement, what a motivation to know that Jesus Christ is coming again. There's a problem tonight if as Christians we're sitting around doing nothing when Jesus is coming back and we ought to be doing something about it. 
There's a problem if Jesus has told us to do something and we're not doing what he told us to do, we're doing what we think we ought to do. The Bible gives us very clear, very clear commands on what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to do to stay busy until Jesus comes back. But number one, there's a problem. Number two, I see there's a place. The Bible says in verse number 12, then returned they unto Jerusalem. That's where they were supposed to be. But then in verse 13, it gives us a more specific location. It says, then, when they were come in, they went up into an upper room. Uh, I'll have to go back and find the message. I preached a whole message about the upper room about five or six years ago. And that study helped me. I said in that message, I said something like this. I said, the most important room in the church is not the auditorium. It's not the financial office. It's not the fellowship hall. It's not the gymnasium. It's not the pastor's office. It's not the lobby. It's not the playground. It's that I gave the whole list of all these rooms. I said the most important room in the church is the upper room. You say, why is that? Because that's where the power comes from. It's the place where God's people pray. It's the place where God's people get a hold of God. It's the place where we wait on the promise of God for the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. That's the place I'm talking about. The Bible says in verse 12, then returned they unto Jerusalem. Verse 13, and when they were come in, they went up into an upper room. The Bible lists the 11 disciples, but notice verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So not just the 11, but we see a group has gathered in this upper room. Those people didn't have to be there. They could have gone home. They could have thrown in the towel. They could have said, hey, we trusted Jesus. We believed in Jesus, and now he's gone. What in the world are we doing? But I like this. They said, we are going to get to the place where God has told us to be. You know, in 2024, I'll tell you, there's a place you need to get. One is you need to get to the prayer closet. I hope you have a place where you pray. I hope you have a place every day where you walk with God. But can I tell you the place that God has chosen to use in this day and in this age? We call it the church age. You know why? Because this is God's plan for his people. It's the church. It is the called out assembly of believers. Now you can stay home. You can do your own thing. You can stand out on a hill and just look up in the sky and wait for Jesus to come. But that's never where God intended you to be. He intended for you and I to be in the place that he has chosen. It's called the church. The church that Jesus said he loved the church and he gave himself for the church. The church that Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. There's a place. But thirdly, I see there's a plan. I like this. They were in a holding pattern, really. They were waiting. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. They weren't supposed to be out preaching in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth yet because they didn't have the power. So the plan, verse number 14, it says, these all continued with one accord. You know what they did? They said, we're going to stick together. We need each other. Well, we need one another. 
We, we need this group. We need to encourage one another. We need to pray for one another. We need to help one another. Uh, we don't need to criticize one another. We don't need to gossip about one another. We don't need to throw somebody under the bus. We don't need to point out the faults of everybody else. We need each other. We need, as a church, we need to stick together. They were in one accord. Now, I do drive a Honda Accord, but that's not the reason I drive it, although it is biblical, it is scriptural. They were in one accord. Just making sure you're listening. But this means they were in unity. And friend, I want to tell you, one of the fastest ways to destroy a church, it's not through the doctrine, although that will destroy a church eventually. One of the fastest ways to destroy a church is when God's people start fighting. God's people, these people over here won't talk to these people over here, and these people over here don't like the people over there, and we get to where we're so angry with one another. Friend, I want to tell you, we ought to get rid of all that nonsense and all that pettiness, and for some, maybe you just need to clean up Facebook, and maybe you need to clean up the cell phone, and maybe you need to clean up uh, some of the stuff you've been talking about, and maybe you just need to say, hey, Jesus is coming back, and we don't have time to mess around by criticizing one another. We've got a world that needs to be reached. We've got people that need the Lord. We've got people that need encouragement. And the plan was that they continued with one accord. Notice this. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. I thought those statistics, Brother Daniel, were really incredible about how many folks attend church. 60% of of church uh, church attenders are, are women. And 40% are men. And then uh, the statistic about when you get a man and his family in church, how that the others will follow. But can I tell you this? We need the men of the church. We need the ladies of the church. We need the teenagers of the church. We need the college students of the church. We need the senior citizens of the church. We need the children of the church. We need everybody. We're in this together. This is not a church just for adults. This is not a church just for teens. This is a church for everybody from the youngest to the oldest. We need the church. We need to be together. They stuck together. Now, friend, I want to tell you, it's easy to stick together when everything's going good. It's easy to have unity when there's no problems. But do you think these disciples felt like everything was going good? Oh, no. They just watched Jesus depart out of their sight. They just literally saw Jesus leaving and thinking, wait a minute, we didn't okay that. We're not good with this. We need you here. But when they didn't know what else to do, they said, we're going to stick together. We're going to be in one accord. We're going to be in unison. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Can I tell you, God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of church splits. God is not the author of of church segments. And God is not the author of church cliques. God is the author of of peace in the church and God wants people to get along and to be on the same page lined up with his word that was their plan and by the way it worked you know how I know that because we're here today because the gospel got out because uh, people were reached and churches were started there was a plan of unity and commitment but then I see lastly I like this They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They said, you know, Jesus is gone. 
We sure loved having him here. We sure need him here. He's gone. But we can still talk to him. We can still pray. And Fred, I want to tell you this evening, no matter what you're going through, no matter how hard it may be, no matter how difficult it may be, you and I can still pray. There's a God in heaven that hears our prayers. There's a God in heaven that said, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. I want to encourage you tonight, Victory Baptist Church, we got to keep on praying. We, we, it's not enough just to get together and sip coffee. It's not enough just to get together and have basketball. It's not enough just to get together and have a good time. We've got to pray together. We've got to pray and and beg and, and fall on our faces and fast. And we've got to have God in this thing. Keep on praying. Don't ever give up. Just keep on praying. Prayer is not a last resort. As a matter of fact, prayer is our greatest weapon. And sometimes we try everything and we try everything and say, Okay, well, I guess now i got to pray. That ought to be the first thing we do. That ought to be the most important thing that we do to come before God in prayer. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Paul preached to the church at Thessalonica. He said, pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Keep on praying. The service this evening we just had, we observed the Lord's Supper. Imagine how those disciples felt when they had their last supper with Jesus. That was before the cross. And now they're in this, perhaps the same upper room. They're gathered and they have just seen Jesus go back to heaven. And the question was ringing in their minds and in their ears, what do we do now? Well, I'll tell you what we do. We just celebrated the Lord's Supper. We, 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 we spent time focusing on his death and his, 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 his uh, 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 blood that was shed and his body that was broken. And I'll tell you what we do now. We don't just stand here staring. We don't just stand here staying. We don't just stand here doing nothing. We've got a world to tell. We've got people that need to know what somebody told us. We've got people that need to hear the gospel. So what do we do now? I'll tell you this. I think we need to do what God has already told us to do. You say, well, how do I know what God wants me to do? Well, you get in the word of God. And as you read the Bible, you find out this is what God wants us to do. And I can preach it, but I can't preach everything. We don't have enough time, and you don't have enough attention span to hear everything that God wants you to do just from church. That's why we get to take Bibles home. That's why we read the scripture. That's why we study the scripture. That's why we have Sunday school and Wednesday nights. And that's why we have all these things because we need to know what God wants us to do. So let's do what God has told us to do. Let's continue in one accord. Let's look for opportunities this week not to create division. But let's look for opportunities this week to care for somebody, to show them the love of God, not to criticize, but maybe to compliment. Maybe this week, not to be negative, but to be positive. You say, Pastor, I'm so glad you're preaching this because I've sure been waiting for somebody to come and encourage me. You missed it. If you're waiting for somebody to come encourage you, I hope they do, and they should. But if you're waiting on that, you might be waiting a long time. But if you will decide, I'm going to encourage somebody, that can start immediately. That can start tonight. That can happen every day. And you'll find the more you encourage others, you're going to find you yourself will be encouraged. What do we do? 
We do what God has commanded us to do. We continue in one accord. And then we just keep on praying. We just keep on serving. We just keep on doing what we've been called to do and keep our eyes on him. He's gone up into heaven, but he's coming back. Let's live every day as if this could be the day that Jesus would return. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.